This is Channel 253. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is Evelyn Lopez. Welcome to today's episode of Crossing Division, Tacoma's talk show. Today we are going to focus on two statewide initiatives. The first, I-976, which deals with transportation funding. My guest to talk about this topic is Justin Layton. Justin, introduce yourself. Hello, it's good to be on the pod. I've always wanted to say that. (laughs) Uh, My name is Justin Layton. I appreciate uh, you inviting me, Evelyn. I'm here on behalf of the 976 campaign. But just a little bit about me. Um, I am on the City of Tacoma's Transportation Commission, where I used to be the chair um, highly involved. I was the chair of the Hilltop sub-area planning um, uh, work as well and um, just really care about public transportation. I work at it in my day job. Um, so I'm a lot of what I'm going to say today is going to come from that angle okay. as well. Yeah. Good. Well, I was Good to con- be here. Yeah, I always consider you sort of my, you know, especially mass transit, but transportation, yeah. you know, knowledge. I get a lot of friend. Facebook posts of how to get somewhere on the bus. I'm like <laughs> okay. a personal transit <laughs> like you personally guide, can which plan. I'm happy to do. Oh, that's nice. Good yeah. to know. I'm also joined by April Sims, and April is going to talk with us about Referendum 88, which refers to <laughs> Initiative <laughs> 1000. <laughs> so it's both pro 1000 and pro 88. Correct. And April, tell us about yourself. Yeah, thank you, Evelyn. Thank you for having me on the pod. This is my very first time being on a podcast, so I'm super excited. Uh, I'm April Sims. I am the secretary treasurer of the Washington State Labor Council, AFL-CIO, which is the largest labor organization in the state. We represent more than 600 locals and affiliates and over 650,000 union workers all across the state of Washington. I also have the privilege of serving as co-chair of the Wall Fairness Campaign, which is a coalition of community groups, labor advocates, uh, tribal leaders, veterans advocacy groups, all working to make sure that I-1000 is upheld as law in November. And a little bit about me. I actually um, am a proud lifetime resident of the 253. I grew up on the hilltop right on the corner of 9th and M. Uh, you know, went to Jason Lee Middle School and uh, graduated from Foss High School. So shout out to my alma mater. <laughs> and, um, you know, my mom's union job got her family off of welfare and gave her economic dignity for the first time in her life. So it's a real privilege to be able to do this work and to be on this show talking about why voters should approve I-1000 under referendum 88 on their ballots in November. Oh, that's how you say it. Perfect. I-1000 under. Like Perfect. Well, let's start with our transportation initiative. So, Justin, tell me about I-976. What is the point of it? What is sort of the history, if you know any history? And what should we be thinking about when we're looking at our ballots? Yeah, sure. So um, I-976 is an initiative to the legislature, actually, by uh, the one Mr. Tim Eyman. Most mm. people know about uh, Mr. Eyman. This isn't a new idea for right. Tim Eyman. This um, happened um, in the turn of the century. Um, <laughs> yeah, as a millennial, I can say the turn That's of the right. century. Um, and so he had did a $30 car tab back then. Right. Um, and here we are uh, 20 years later doing a 30 car car tab now doesn't even account for inflation right. as an idea. Um, and so really what he's trying to do um, is make all car tabs $30. Right. Um, and that sounds simple. It is very advantageous. Um, and the, the real problem with this initiative is actually talking about 
um, why are our car tabs um, the price that they are and mm-hmm. what that actually funds? Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, his initiative repeals several different taxes um, and fees that are on our car tabs. Um, I call it like the three-stool repeal. So there are three kind of um, areas that he repeals. He repeals what's known as the Transportation Benefit District Authority for cities. So, for example, the city of Tacoma, when you go and renew your car tabs, you see a fee of $20 on there. Mm -hmm. And that is meant to go for transportation improvements. Okay. And in the city of Tacoma... And and I take it it's to go for transportation improvements in your city. In your city. So you yeah. are paying, but you are benefiting. Right. Absolutely. And we'll get to those in a okay. minute. So that's one. Um, there's mm-hmm. a, like 61 cities around the state that have uh, put this fee on there and use them. Um, anywhere from Seattle, Tacoma to very small ones like Pomeroy and Grant in Grant County. So it's not a big city thing. It's across the entire state, big and mm-hmm. small. So that's one repeal. The other repeal um, is um, a and change of Sound Transit's um, authority to collect on your car tabs. Okay. Um, the wonky, nerdy thing is the motor vehicle excise tax. And so it changes the way your car is evaluated and repeals some of the taxes once bonds are paid off. Um, Sound Transit estimates that that'll be a $20 billion impact through 2041. We'll talk about those impacts okay. and how they relate to us here in Pierce County in a minute. The third repeal, which is much more nuanced, is... Um, on your car tabs, there's things called weight fees. So your mm-hmm. car weighs a certain amount, and then the state assesses a fees on that. Mm-hmm. Those monies go towards uh, lots of different improvements, um, uh, public transportation, special needs, van pool grants, the state ferry system, uh, actually road projects like yeah. the 167 uh, major project that is the project that's never going to get finished in a lifetime, right. I feel like. Um, um, the state patrol is funded out of out of that money. Um, that, that Those funds go away as well. And so those oh. are the three different things, the, the effect, is, so to speak, of uh, those those repeals of those. So that's what's really going to happen. And we can talk about, I, I think mm-hmm. you have some questions about how it really impacts, but you got to think about it. It sounds simple when you look right. at it. But it's really much more nuanced uh, right. to that as well. So before we move on to impacts, yeah, one of the things I lo- was looking at the proposed law, the the initiative, and it struck me that it it was saying this will take away any past um, tax increases that have been hitting your car tabs, mm-hmm. but in the future people could vote to add more fees onto their mm-hmm. car tabs. And to me, that didn't make a lot of sense. It's like, well, we did vote in in, in Tacoma. We did vote mm-hmm. to add uh, taxes onto our car tabs when we voted for Sound Transit 3. Right. So wipe out. We did that. You want to wipe it out, but then we can do it again. But obviously, if we were to do it again, yeah. wouldn't there be another initiative to try to wipe it out? I mean, at what point are we done with fighting over this. Yeah, I mean, I think that there was an editor, a columnist in the Seattle Times talking about, we voted on Sound Transit eight times, mm-hmm. like the differencing of, of wanting to do it. Um, you know, I think what's interesting about Mr. Iman's arguments is he likes to pick and pick and choose certain things depending on his crowd. So he's okay. really banking on the Sound Transit talking point. Yeah. You hear him talk at city council. He was at city council, I think it was two weeks ago. He only talked about Sound Transit. He did not talk about the other two pegs of the stool that I had mentioned, which mm-hmm. are very impactful to everybody. Um, and, you know, he talks about the voter approved thing. And so his thing, he uses that, that 
transportation benefit uh, district car tab. Yeah. That's actually councilmatic. So the city of Tacoma actually through a resolution there were people that were able to come and do public comment, made a policy decision. Um, and that policy decision was utilizing the authority given to them by the state legislature to assess this $20 fee mm-hmm. to help with one of the biggest complaints is potholes. Potholes. Right. Um, you know, Evelyn, you and I are past candidates for offices mm-hmm. in this city, and we doorbelled a lot. And one of the major things we always hear is fix our potholes. Well, folks, 976 money, um, that car tab, that's what it does. It does about 80 blocks um, all together um, to resurface those those streets here in Tacoma. Oh, interesting. Um, so, you know, so he likes to say the city council should not have done that. They should have had to have asked the vote of the people mm-hmm. to do that. Of course, we did the streets initiative, mm-hmm. and that was approved. Yeah. Um, that actually added a, a one point or point one percent of a sales tax and some additional fees as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I can understand. I understand the thought of. You know, we want the people to vote on everything. But in all honesty, there's a lot of stuff in government. And one of the reasons that we elect, I think, quite competent people to fill those roles is so that they can take care of business day to day. And the average citizen doesn't have to be trying to figure out, you know, if we add $20 onto a car tab, right. will it be used for right. fixing potholes or right. should it be $23? Right. Yeah. Right. Could you imagine if we had to go and vote on every time the Narrows Bridge had to have a, a tax, you know, a, a poll, an increase in the in the fee to get across the bridge? Um, and you're right. We elect representatives to represent us and make those policy decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the legislature gives cities tools to do that. And so uh, if we don't like that, our vote is actually not necessarily on that idea. It's the people who are representing us. Um, And we have that opportunity across our communities to vote on those people Mm -hmm. to make those decisions as well. So if this were to pass, what sort of consequences would we be likely to see in Tacoma? Yeah. So um, the city of Tacoma would lose $3 million a year in that transportation benefit district funding, that $20 car tab. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, I serve on the Transportation Commission, as said in my uh, intro, and we actually talk a lot about the different projects that are happening. And so a lot of those funds are used to resurface streets. Um, to help fix sidewalks. I think that was one of the biggest things I heard when I ran for city council a couple years Mm -hmm. ago was broken sidewalks. And if we want a walkable community, how do we do that if the sidewalks aren't even there, especially for senior citizens, people Mm -hmm. with disabilities? And of course... Our cars, you know, our axles and our rims, and right. uh, that's a that's an indirect cost to this. If mm-hmm. we keep defunding, resurfacing our streets, our cars need more alignments. They need different axles, popped tires, mm-hmm. things like that. So there's that's one impact generally, and I think that that's a big one mm-hmm. that's really easy to overlook. Yeah, the other ones are big projects that are easy to think about. Wow, that's going to impact it. So let's talk about sound transit for a okay. moment. There's no hiding the fact that Tacoma is at the end of the line. Right. And if Sound Transit's board of directors has to make decisions about how they're going to cut $20 billion over the next 20 years, you can't cut the middle of the line. You cut the ends of the line. So we're very much at risk of either losing... Um, the stations that are going to be built uh, here in Tacoma. In fact, Evelyn, as you know, I just left a transit-oriented development advisory group to get here, and we are just talking about the Tacoma Dome station, the East Tacoma station, what it should look like, how it 
helps become a vibrant community down there. Yeah, it would be an incredible setback if, if let's say, right. the plans decided to stop at Federal Way. Yep. And then run buses down to Tacoma. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's one project that's central. The other thing that I think is much nuanced, and this is kind of a – I'm very proud of this when I still worked at um, Pierce Transit. I worked with the mayor, um, Strickland, and County Executive McCarthy to get um, $60 million allocated out of Sound Transit 3 vote to partnership with Pierce Transit's BRT project along um, uh, Pacific? Pacific Avenue, which is – the most heavily used area, it's mm-hmm. the most densely populated area in Pierce County for people of color and people who live in poverty. Mm-hmm. And so having fast mass transit through that corridor will be a game changer for bringing better vibrant communities and economic vitality through there. And so those are the type of projects that if the Sound Transit has to think about what is the priority, the priority has always been finish the central spine. Mm -hmm. And so these other projects like that, the next Tacoma Link extension, which is to go from the hilltop to TCC connecting that corridor, those are very much at risk risk of being peeled away. Sort of like, you know what? You lost a job. What are the things that we... My grandpa used to call them needs and wants. I always yeah. wanted a horse growing up. Yeah. And he's like, you don't need a horse. You right. want a horse. So you don't get a horse. Mm-hmm. You know. And so we have to start really kind of thinking about those needs and wants. So those are at risk there for sound transit. But yeah, go ahead. Well, oh, I'm sorry. No, please. In because get I think when there. you're talking about these projects, yeah. what's also important is the jobs that are yep. attached yes. to these projects yep. and the economic impact mm-hmm. that that has. Because mm-hmm. these this Sound Transit Three project has uh, it's tied to project labor agreements mm-hmm. um, and local PLAs. hire provisions, mm-hmm. which means that these are jobs that are going to be taken right here from our own community. Well, and it's a talk about year about project. Right. Talk about local hire, right? Because I think the thing is what people understand, I think, that prevailing wage jobs are high-paying, excellent jobs, Mm -hmm. excellent union jobs, Mm -hmm. but the local hire piece is Mm -hmm. really important because all too often we see a project in Tacoma and start realizing that the people who are working on it may be from Seattle or Puyallup or wherever. So tell me about the local hire piece. Well, just to say it simply, it just requires that, Mm -hmm. you know, folks hire from the community where the jobs, where the work is happening. Yeah. So if we're doing work on the hilltop, those are those are jobs that will be benefiting the families that live on the hilltop. Mm-hmm. Yes. And likewise for the east side mm-hmm. of Tacoma. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we're talking about project labor agreements, yes, prevailing wage is, is critically important. It's a huge part. But also jobs that are attached to project labor agreements are safer. They pay better benefits. Right. Um, and they have that local hire component. And, mm-hmm. you know, 976 puts all of that at risk. And I think that's why voters voted for Sound Transit 3 right. in 2016 mm-hmm. because they knew it made sense mm-hmm. and it especially made sense right. here for Tacoma. Yeah, and um, I think that uh, the idea that not only is the building of this going to be bringing jobs, just the expansion of our transportation yes. system mm-hmm. to run it is expanding those mm-hmm. good jobs as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things that's always been a frustration for me is that we continue to have really good job development in Seattle, but people still living in remote mm-hmm. areas because Seattle's not really affordable right. you know, for right. the vast majority of people. But the only way that we're going to become the type of place that attracts those employers is if we have the infrastructure. And right mm-hmm. now we don't really That's right. I mean, uh, former Mayor Strickland always said one of the biggest things that a company that they were trying to attract as a city would ask, what does your public transportation look like? Mm -hmm. And they want to know what, how are their employees going to get in and out of their business? 
Um, and it is not cheap to build parking, to lease parking, to have parking. And whenever you do a development, if you can build less parking, you are able to build more units mm -hmm. um, or more space. It's about $40,000 per parking stall to build, plan, build, and maintain over a lifetime, wow. which is a lot. That's a lot of yeah. wasted money, really. So that's, you know, yeah. Yeah. exactly. And so that's why, um, going even further of the impacts of local areas, so that's town transit's impacts. There's a Pierce Transit impact to this mm -hmm. as well because Pierce Transit gets funds from the state. So this mm -hmm. wipes... Uh, two billion dollars over six um, over six or four billion dollars over six years from the state transportation budget. Wow! And in that are lots of different things: bridge safety. I talked about the state patrol. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about the ferry system, or the largest ferry publicly owned pub, uh, ferry system in the country. Um, and those are all really important. But Pierce Transit, for example, building that BRT is relying mm -hmm. on. Um, $15 million that is earmarked for them out of the state budget, they're going to use those funds to leverage federal dollars to bring back. Mm -hmm. And that is in total um, like a $150 million project mm -hmm. through Pacific Avenue, through what I talked about, those communities um, that um, are really one of our highest po populations of poverty, people who live in poverty. Um, and even Pierce Transit gets about $4 million a uh, biennium every two years from the state for special needs transportation. Yeah, that's really important. And um, you federally can't just eliminate that. Mm -hmm. So what uh, agencies like Pierce Transit will have to do will have to take funding away from the regular bus to mm -hmm. keep that paratransit ADA service going, um, which is another job cut as well. And drivers are good union-paying jobs. Yeah, And those are important in our community as yeah. well. So those are kind of the local impacts, the big projects that we think about every day um, that is really easy to overlook when you look down at that ballot. I voted this weekend, and mm -hmm. it, if you don't read into it and look into it, you really kind of miss all of those yeah. nuances. So what do you think is the most important thing for a Tacoma Pierce County person to be thinking of when they're deciding how to vote on this one? You know, I, I really wish that the generation before me built light rail. Yeah. But that didn't happen. Right. And so it's now it's our responsibility mm -hmm. to do that. And um um, I don't have kids, but uh, my friend Charlotte, she's four years old. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think about uh, the type of transportation system that she wants to use. And her dad, Matt, always jokes that she'll never have to learn how to drive a car um, by the time she's 18, the type of world that we live in. Um, I keep reminding him that we're supposed to have flying cars by now, of right. course. But uh, we're <laughs> promised flying cars. Um so, you know, I think about what kind of transportation system do we want in the future? Yeah. Um, and we got to keep funding it. Mm -hmm. um, you don't starve. You don't starve something to get something better. You mm -hmm. have to feed it. And we need to feed our transportation system. Our bridges are failing. Um, our freight corridor through 167 has been failing for years. And now there's money in the state budget to do that. It is a great risk of that significantly being downsized to get 167 finished, which is really important to the Port of Tacoma, which mm -hmm. is an economic engine. Great, great jobs down there as well. And so um, my takeaway is uh, transportation is a ecosystem and it's a food web, if you will. And when you start taking away 
um, items in that ecosystem, the ecosystem starts failing. Um, and so if you take away some of our ferry service, some of our uh, road projects, some of our even our city streets, um, you start really having a downgrade feeling and you were not a f- becoming a first class community that right. I know we um, we want to be and we are. Right. OK. Yeah. What's the plan between now and Election Day for the campaign? Um, the campaign is working hard on trying to get the message out. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it, it's really hard to talk about because, yeah. you know, people <laughs> people start, mm-hmm. you know, who wants to talk about transportation? I mean, mm-hmm. I do because I'm right. a nerd and I'm a geek and I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's my day Never job. Change. It's my day <laughs> job. Change. Right. And so and it's like when I ran for city council, like, don't talk about stormwater management. And I was like, but that's really important. And it's like, yeah, but it's so hard to talk about. And I think that's the thing. So we're mm-hmm. educating voters about the impacts. Okay. This is a Tim I'm an initiative. We've been down this path before. It ruined public transit then. It'll ruin public transit now. Um, and, he, you know, there isn't some saving fund that's going to swoop in and do this again. Right. So there will have to be hard choices for the, the governor and the state legislature if this is approved. Yeah. And those hard choices are people's lives, people's jobs. These are our future projects that companies who have already committed to being here, development down in the Dome District, for example, that are already building Thinking Light Rail's right. coming, they've already made those commitments. So it's our job to keep those commitments going. Mm-hmm. Okay. So educating voters. Okay. I'm voting no on 976. Me too. I already Me did. Me too. Not I am. I did. I haven't done my ballots yet. <laughs> I haven't done mine either. I'm waiting but for this weekend. The, we I used to want all the political mail, but now I just... No, you don't. I don't. Oh, I just I, I, I get it. Yeah. Get that in there and I get taken off the list. <laughs> yeah. Well, and for those listening, if you if there's some reason why you're not waiting to vote, vote now because it know. helps all the campaigns if you vote early. It sure mm-hmm. does. Um, but, well, okay. Let's take a short break and yes. then we'll turn to R88 which is affirming I-1000. This is Nate Bowling, host of the Nerd Farmer podcast on the Channel 253 Network. I fly a lot. And when I fly, I want to actually enjoy my time in the air. So I'm looking for two things. One, being treated like a human being. And two, an amazing mileage plan. And for those two things, the only game around is Alaska Airlines. The flight attendants are courteous, the service is efficient, when I fly with Alaska, I feel like a human, like a customer, not a commodity. And the mileage plan, I get rewarded for the miles that I fly, which means that flying across the country really racks up the miles. So the next time you're looking to fly from SeaTac, skip the travel sites. Just head to alaskaair.com, book your ticket. You'll thank me. I'm Nate Bowling, Alaska Airlines MVP Gold, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. Hi, we're back on Crossing Division. Hey, before we get into the nitty-gritty on our next initiative, I want to remind people that you can, too, become a member of Channel 253. $4 a month. It's a screaming good deal. And you get access to, you know, some really cool stuff. You learn about Adult Civics Happy Hour before anyone else does. And we've been uh, asking Sean Robinson, formerly of the TNT, to write some investigative stories for us. And if you are a member, you get advance access to those stories. $4 a month is a steal. Isn't that a good deal? I know. So everyone should Pretty good to get the gossip. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You totally get the gossip. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's turn now to 
referendum 88. Yes. And April, tell me a little bit of the history on mm-hmm. this one, because I know it's, it, it is history. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And it's, it's ironic that I would be here tonight with Justin. You're mm-hmm. talking about Tim Iman's 976, and the Wa Fairness campaign is working to repeal Tim Iman's I-200, yes. which voters passed back in 1998, which was a deceptive little uh, mm-hmm. piece of law because it was called the Civil Rights Initiative. Yes. And what it essentially did was remove women and minorities from affirmative action. Mm-hmm. So it prohibited uh, public employers, government contracts, and colleges, public colleges and universities from considering race and or gender when considering an applicant for either empl- employment or admission. Yeah. And it's had some devastating impacts on our community and our state as a whole. So, um, you know, I am here as the co-chair of the Wall Fairness Campaign to urge your listeners to approve I-1000 under Referendum 88 on their ballot. So if you haven't turned that bad boy in, um, now is the time. Now is the time. Well, but, and I'm going to interject and say, mm-hmm. you know, I I started working for the state of Washington in 1990. Mm-hmm. And in those days, we did have... Um, I don't even know what what it was called, to be honest with you. But back in those days when you did hiring, you would get – the department personnel would send you a list of – you know, you would run an advertisement and then department personnel would send you a list of the highest scoring applicants for mm-hmm. your position, like five people. Pre-screening. Pre-screening. I don't even know what the criteria was. They would take care of it. But then you would get plus three. And the plus three were three more candidates who had some other criteria that uh, they wanted you to look at. And they all met the qualifications Mm -hmm. for the job. So it was Mm -hmm. never about hiring people who were unqualified. Never. They were candidates who were fully qualified, but they didn't hit the top scores for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And they would be either – they would be women. Mm -hmm. They would be people of color. They would be people from uh, different countries, ethnicities, and they would be Vietnam-era veterans. Mm -hmm. And so what you had to do was just interview those plus three people along with your regular candidates. And then afterwards – if you selected one of them, fantastic, you know, mission accomplished. If you did not select one, you just had to provide a justification along the lines of, you know, candidate two has really specific job experience that we want to take advantage mm-hmm. of. That was it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't right. anything, but it was really, really important. And the reason is, and I say this as a white woman, we hire people who look like ourselves. We hire people who have mm-hmm. similar backgrounds to the ones we have. I have interviewed people that I had immediate rapport with Mm -hmm. and who became very close friends of mine because they were a lot like me. Right. Yeah. What I didn't learn for a long, long time until I'd been managing for a while was, you don't need to do that, Evelyn. You already work here. You need to hire someone who's not like you in order to have a really healthy workplace. And that was a tool to push people into considering people who are not like you Mm -hmm. when you're hiring or letting a contractor doing something. That's all. Yeah. I mean, we know that the most effective, creative, and competitive organizations are also the most diverse. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. That diversity makes us stronger. And right now, for public employment, government contracts, and public colleges and universities, they cannot consider an applicant's entire portfolio Mm -hmm. and um, expand 
their diversity pool. They can't do targeted outreach or communication. And so that's really what I-1000 is attempting to remedy. Mm-hmm. I-1000 would level the playing field for women, veterans, people of color, seniors, disabled, and other groups that are historically left out and left behind. This would provide fairness and opportunity um, all across Washington state. And I would like to, if I may, just back up a little bit so voters have an idea of, like, how we got to this R88 and I-1000 and what all this is. Sounds like it's just Tim Iman's fault all around. I mean, there's (laughs) yes, there's blame, and I'm happy to lay it at his feet. Um, But I think, um, you know, last year, more than 400,000 Washington voters signed Initiative 1000 Mm -hmm. to bring this before the legislature, asking the legislature to repeal Tim Iman's I-200. And the legislature passed that. So this is now law. Mm -hmm. It is signed by the governor, passed by the legislature, signed into law by the governor. And some, you know, our opposition collected some signatures. And now this is going before the voters for the voters to decide. So that's why it shows up under referendum 88. I see. But we will be asking voters to approve I-1000, which is upholding the law that the legislature passed in April. I need Mm -hmm. a flowchart. A little bit. All voters need to know is to approve I-1000 under referendum 88 Mm -hmm. on their ballot. But the referendum 88 I-1000 is confusing. It is. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately, you know, confusion um, doesn't help in an issue like this. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that the original Initiative 200 was somewhat deceptive in that it was talking about civil rights. Mm -hmm. Because the campaign now that is against 88 Mm -hmm. is... Um, keep discrimination illegal. Right. Vote to reject R eighty eight. So they're playing, yeah. That, you know, that theme of you know, if you don't have this, people will be discriminated against. Unqualified people will get jobs. Mm-hmm. Well, and so unfortunately, um, you know, we can't force folks in politics to tell the truth. If we could, what? we probably would have had different election results in 2016. Oh, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe, I, maybe, maybe. Right. Um, what I will say is that I-1000 not only levels the playing field in providing fairness and opportunity for women, veterans, people of color, um, seniors and disabled and our members of our LGBTQ community committee, sorry, members of our LGBT community. (laughs) That's right. Um, But it also does it without quotas and Mm -hmm. without preferential treatment. So it defines what is preferential treatment, and it clearly says without the use of quotas. And our opposition is also throwing around language and saying there are hidden quotas in this initiative and, you know, doing all kinds of buzzwords, fear tactics and buzzwords Mm -hmm. to intentionally confuse voters Mm -hmm. so that they will elect to take no position on this issue. Mm So if this were to – so it is the law now. It is. I-1000. So it hasn't if, been implemented. It hasn't it been has implemented. Been into law. So if this is not affirmed mm-hmm. and it doesn't become the law, mm-hmm. what sort of impacts will we see in the state but also in Pierce County and Tacoma? Well, I can tell you what we've seen since the passage of I-298. Mm-hmm. The number of women and minority-owned businesses certified by the state of Washington has decreased from 13% to 3.6%. Wow, that's a big decline. It's $3.5 billion in lost economic mm. opportunity. Mm. 
Um, and that is a direct result of the passage of I-200. Um, and for Tacoma specifically, I know the city of Tacoma recently did a disparity study, and mm-hmm. I don't have the study in front of me, so mm-hmm. my numbers are going to be an ish. That's okay. Um, but folks, feel free to fact check me. Um, just about 4% of the number of contracts awarded by the city of Tacoma went to women and minority-owned businesses. Mm-hmm. That's really, you know, mm-hmm. isn't this shocking in 2019 that that I mean, I, I know we've. This shows the impact of things like this because in 2019, women are half the population, mm-hmm. especially in a diverse city like Tacoma. Mm-hmm. It, minority businesses should be, I don't know, at least 25 percent. I mean, yeah, really, yeah, and they're just not. No, well, especially for city awarded contracts, right? So when you break that four percent down, mm-hmm. um, about two percent is minority owned, mm-hmm. and of that two percent, when you dig in a little bit further, less than one percent, less than point one percent of that total is black owned businesses, yeah. and yet the black population in the city of Tacoma is over twelve percent. Yeah. So you can see the disparities right there. Mm-hmm. When I two hundred passed my nephew's father lost his state contract and ended up having to leave the state and is now working in Oklahoma. Hmm. So there, and there are stories like that all across this state. Mm -hmm. And those are the real devastating impacts of initiative 200. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do other states have more, uh, have more sort of affirmative action type of laws than Washington does? I didn't think Washington was an outlier before I-200. I thought it was sort of this is a, a an acknowledged process for getting a more diverse base of employees and university students mm-hmm. and contractors. Yeah. In 1998, Washington became the second state in the nation to pass a ban on affirmative action. We're currently one of only eight states in the nation. Mm-hmm. So 42 other states, Idaho, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana – all have uh, affirmative action laws on the books. Mm -hmm. And so passing I-1000 under referendum 88 would put Washington on par with um, other states that allow for fairness and opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I I think part of what we see when I have seen comments on social media about um, referendum 88 or about I-1000, it's been kind of the Mm fear-based. It's been sort of like, you know, Mm -hmm. if we do this, people who are not qualified will take away the opportunities that Mm -hmm. I might have. Mm -hmm. And what do you say to that? I mean, I I think it's hard to argue against people's fears, but Mm -hmm. I don't think that they're grounded in anything. Well, I mean, that's the thing about fears, right, that they don't have to be logical. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I would say a couple of things. The first thing I would say is just um, in the initiative, it's clear that this is without preferential treatment. This Mm -hmm. initiative clearly defines what preferential treatment is. So there's real clarity around that. Yeah, and and I appreciated that because I read through the initiative and I thought, no, I love having a nice, clear definition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for those of you who are not necessarily going to go and read every detail, it's very clear. It says, you know, preferential treatment is when someone gets this benefit, be it a job, a contract, entrance into a college or university based on their race. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have race as a consideration, but if you are basing your decision, if your deciding factor is Mm -hmm. we need to have more um, Asian students, we need to have more women in this program, that's a problem. You know, you have to look at the whole person mm-hmm. and all of your needs and try to get 
um, you know, something that is a, a diverse and well-integrated mm-hmm. mm-hmm. outcome. Yeah. So I like that. I yeah. thought, well, that makes sense to me. Well, and I think that hopefully provides folks some comfort, mm-hmm. you know, around the fear. But I also think we have to be real about what that fear is based in. Yeah. And for most of us, it's based in this feeling of scarcity, mm-hmm. that there isn't enough to go around for average folks like us, for working folks. Um, and that for some reason, we need to make sure that we are hoarding as much as we can or mm-hmm. or collecting as much as we can because there isn't enough to go mm-hmm. around. And the reality is Washington is a very prosperous state. Uh, We have some of the richest people in the world call Washington home. Some of the biggest and most successful companies in the world call Washington home. But it is not the place of prosperity for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Initiative 1000 attempts to to, uh, remedy. One of the things that drives me crazy about this, too, is that, you know, we have always had – preferential activity going on. Mm-hmm. We've always had, you know, hey, this is a good friend of mine. I've known him since I was a kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, take a look at Network. his, here's his resume. Mm-hmm. Ta- I know you have a job opening. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, heaven forbid, you know, the Ivy League colleges with, you know, if your dad or your mom went there, you're a legacy. Mm-hmm. You get in. I mean, I, th- I think maybe if you're like. Unless you're Laughlin. Well, I mean, I was going to say, I think if you are really, 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 really not qualified, you might have trouble. But, you know, we see a lot of people who went in, you know, in our political arena nationally who got into Harvard and Yale, not really based on their own merits, but because of their families. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think, I mean, this at least is is like, you know, an open, above board way of saying we're just going to look at the whole person. We're Mm -hmm. not going to do anything shady. We're going to, you know, not be keeping secrets. It's not going to be based on, you know, who you know. It's a lot more fair. And I I think it's sort of like it allows for better competition. Exactly. And I also think that there's no one probably in this room or in the city or in the state that would argue we've reached full equality. Oh, no. Right? Yeah. Um, that there are still uh, folks that have advantages that mm-hmm. other folks have not had, that mm-hmm. there is still systemic and institutional racism and sexism and discrimination. And I-1000 is one of the tools that we have to start to address some of those systemic inequities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so, too. Well, what do you want people to be thinking of when they look at that ballot, when they're trying to decide what to do? What would be your most persuasive? Well, um, a couple of things. But uh, actually, what I would ask folks to do is take a look at the Wall Fairness campaign, Mm -hmm. who we are. A group of, you know, community organizations like the ACLU, Mm -hmm. the League of Women Voters, NAACP, the Urban League. Um, We are labor organizations like the Washington State Labor Council. We're teachers. We're uh, nurses, uh, public employees. Uh, Take a look at the – we're made up of big and small businesses, right? Mm -hmm. Microsoft. Um, Alaska Airlines, Vulcan, the Seattle Chamber of Commerce. Uh, We're made up of tribal leaders and advocates and veterans groups like Vote Vets and the Legislative Veterans Council, all working to make sure that I-1000 is upheld as law so that we have a level playing field for women, people of color, minorities, seniors, and other groups who have historically been left out and left behind, all without preferential treatment and without quotas, because this law is consistent with who we are as a state and the values that we hold as Washingtonians. This puts us on par with the 42 other states, like we talked about, Mm -hmm. that currently don't have a ban on affirmative action. So I would ask folks to look at who's supporting this initiative. 
And then I would ask them to look at the opposition. Yes. Who's supporting them? who's funding them, and who they're aligning themselves with. Well, and tell me a little bit about that, because I had heard some stories that there were some um, white supremacist groups that were sort of doing the legwork. Yeah, we have a YouTube video of the Proud Boys saying that the opposition campaign contacted them and asked them to provide security so they could turn in their referendum signatures. And for folks who don't know, um, the Proud Boys is a known violent white hate group um, they have ties to the uh, racist demonstration in Charlottesville mm-hmm. that resulted in a woman's death and have ties to a number of other violent protests um, in Seattle and in Portland. And it, and it's not just that they worked with the Proud Boys, but it is also the rhetoric surrounding mm-hmm. their entire campaign. Yes. Just recently, they compared I-1000 to Jim Crow laws. Yeah. Which is, you know, like crazy. At best, culturally insensitive. Yes. I find it personally offensive. Well, it just doesn't even make sense. But what they're really saying is we know when people hear Jim Crow, they know it's bad. Mm -hmm. So let's just call this that. Right. Right. And what it is, is it is discounting and ignoring the real sacrifices that generations made Mm -hmm. to pass the Civil Rights Act, Mm -hmm. right? Like my grandparents migrated to Washington. In search of fairness and opportunity, right? The fairness and opportunity they were denied as sharecroppers in Louisiana. Right. They fled in the middle of the night because of the violence and because of the Jim Crow laws and made their way to Washington and sacrificed not just for them, but for their children and their children's children. Mm -hmm. And when voters approve I-1000 in November, they will be ensuring opportunity and fairness for generations to come. That's perfect. We should end there because it's so perfect, but we're not going to. Because I wanted to touch on one more thing. Let's talk more. I could talk all night about this. Yeah. I'm in the weeds. That's right. So one Geek of the hour. things I'm seeing on social media is is this idea that, you know, this hurts veterans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to my reading, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, as I said, back when before I-200, the veterans' preference was specifically for Vietnam-era mm-hmm. veterans. Mm-hmm. and But reading I-1000 it provides an opportunity for all, all veterans, veterans. Yes. and military service to be yes. considered in determining whether someone, you know, should have an opportunity to compete for a job, mm-hmm. compete for a contract, so on. So it actually seems like it has expanded more veteran opportunities than the old uh, I-200 left behind. Well, and that's exactly why this initiative is endorsed by veterans groups. Mm-hmm. But I also want to say shame on the opposition mm-hmm. for right. using our veterans in this way. You know, my son served five years in the Marines. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of his service, but I know firsthand the sacrifices he made to serve yeah. this country. So I could not imagine a scenario where I would be working this hard to make sure that voters uphold I-1000 if it would potentially do him harm. Right. Right. This expands the um, outreach and communication and recruitment efforts to include veterans because we know that they face significant barriers when they try Mm -hmm. to integrate and return to civilian service. And you just have to look at the 
the unemployment rate, the number of veterans that are living below the poverty mm-hmm. poverty line, the housing insecurity, the high number of suicide rates mental among health, our veterans, mental the mental health sure. issues. Um, and this allows public employers and contracts and um, public colleges and universities to do targeted outreach to our veterans mm-hmm. and the folks who have proudly served this country and sacrificed. And that's why they're included in this initiative. Yeah. And shame on the opposition for using them in that way. I agree. Well, I also think as we see the Trump administration rolling back employment protections for one group after another, mm-hmm. it's so important for us to build up our state laws to protect our own citizens. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the type of law that does that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to say thank you both. I mean, yeah. I have learned a lot tonight. I have too. And yeah. it was great. So any uh, final thoughts before we close off? I'll start with Justin. Any final thoughts? Yeah, sure. I, we are... Working hard, uh, you know, as April says, we are also a coalition of almost the exact same folks, Mm -hmm. Um, labor, environmental, social service, businesses, um, major businesses are supporting this effort um, because they understand our transportation is important. Um, As April says, we are a very economic rich state. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of that, uh, people want to be here. And we have to get these folks moving. Right. um, On our ferries, on our buses, and on our roads. Um, And we want to create vibrant communities. Tim Iman's 976 does not do that. And it rolls us back to a different century. It's just unrealistic. And, you know, folks just need to know that... um, no good idea comes out of Tim I'm in. And this is not one of them. And uh, I learned that uh, uh, April and I are here talking about an issue that is has a nexus to that 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 person. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, I urge folks to just really think about your vote will impact everybody across the state, including your potholes, your bus service, uh, your access to mass transit, jobs, uh, medical appointments. Uh, schools. And so those are really critical um, uh, components to a healthy, vibrant community. I agree. And uh, 976 will not do that for us. Okay. Mm. And April, your final thoughts? Yes, thank you. Well, I would say that uh, Tim Iman's I-200 has had devastating impacts on communities all across the state of Washington. And approving I-1000 gives us an opportunity to right that wrong. Mm -hmm. It uh, allows Washington to join the 42 other states, like Idaho, Mississippi, and Alabama. (laughs) Weird. In In restoring (laughs) fairness and opportunity and equity to groups who have historically been left out and left behind. It is consistent with who we are as a state. It's consistent with the values that we hold as Washingtonians, and I would just encourage voters to approve I-1000 under Referendum 88 on their ballot in November because it is the right thing to do, and it is the right time to do it. Perfect. Okay. Thank you both. Thank Thank you so much. And that's it. If you have any uh, ideas for future programs, send them my way. You can find me on Twitter at at TrueTacoma or email uh, TrueTacoma at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Evelyn. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.